Do not take king as supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know, will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirits or power over the, de the, over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask now that you would take these words that I'm about to speak, and that you would use them for your honor and glory, that you would help us and teach us how to live in our fallen world. In Jesus' name, amen. Almost every generation in American society has had to deal with authorities and have seen the misuse of those in authority. And in fact, our own country had to deal with this the very issue of authority and whether or not to revolt against it. It's part of our DNA as a, as a nation. Now, I don't, I'm not going to give you a history lesson on, on American history or American culture. I don't know American history well enough to do that. You could probably do that better for me or than me. But what I want us to recognize this morning is that the Bible speaks to us in this passage on how we are to live in our fallen world, especially as it relates to leaders and authorities over us. I want to focus our attention this morning on what it looks like to live under Gentile rule or ungodly leadership, where there's oppression from government or any authorities for that matter, and where there are events in our lives that are outside of our control. So I want to highlight three truths, three things that we should do as we navigate through life, as we walk in wisdom in our day-to-day -day life. You can see this in your outline. First, obey those in authority. Obey those in authority. Use wisdom as you obey the authorities in your life. 
live wisely as you submit to authority. We see this in, in verses 1 through 9. And I'm not going to comment here on, on every verse in this passage, but I want to highlight wisdom in obeying authority. So look again at verses 1 through 9. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. So Solomon begins this chapter with, with a proverb about wisdom. And though we, we understand there are limitations to wisdom, it is important that we use wisdom as we go through our day-to-day lives. There is value in wisdom, especially when it comes to relating to those in authority over us. In verse 1, the wise know the interpretation of a thing. It's likely Solomon is referencing the wise person who would appear before the king in court. Like the story of Joseph or Daniel when they appeared before the king to interpret the king's dreams. They used wisdom when they appeared before the king and before those in authority. We also see that a man's face Make, a man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. We can see that in the end of verse 1. Isn't it remarkable that you can tell a person has wisdom based on their face? I think it's pretty remarkable. You can see wisdom in a person's face. There is value in wisdom. And its value is essential as we relate to authorities over us. Notice verse 2. We have a command. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Or as, as the NIV states it, obey the king's command. So we are to obey those in authority. We are to submit to governing authorities. That's the principle here for us. What is the wise way to conduct ourselves when there are authority figures over us? We obey. The wise will obey. You want to tell the difference between a wise person and a foolish person? Do they obey the authorities in their life? Do they obey their leaders? The wise person will obey his leaders. A wise person would be a law-abiding citizen. Right? Wisdom says to me, go the speed limit especially this week, right? It's a wise advice. The principle of wisdom and submission to authorities is seen in the New Testament as well. And, and we don't have time to unpack these passages, but the, the parallels are Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. I just want to share a verse from these. 
Romans 13:1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And then 1 Peter 2 declares a similar truth. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it to be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And that's the idea that's being communicated here in our text. Obey the king's command. They've been established by God. And according to 1 Chronicles 29, 23, the people had pledged their allegiance to the king. So the people in that day would take oaths to display their loyalty to the king. What the king says we will do. Now this is common in other cultures, isn't it? It's common with tribes and, and chiefs. If the leader of a people says a certain thing or does a certain thing, the people will quickly follow their orders and their directives. We see this in the story of Jonah with the people of Nineveh. We hear of this in other cultures. I've heard in missionary settings, if you can reach the, the, the leader of the tribe, if you can reach the chief for the gospel, the people will follow and put their faith in Jesus Christ as well. Things are a little different in our society and culture, aren't they? We're independent. We're individualistic. We, we do our own thing. So wisdom says and teaches us to obey the authorities over us. Now, you might be wondering, what if we disagree with what we're being told? What if we are being commanded to sin? Or what if we are being forced to go against our conscience? Because we know that sometimes those in authority use their power for evil and harm. Right? In verse 3, the king does whatever he pleases. And then in verse 9, Solomon is observing that, that when man had power over man to his hurt. The easy and obvious answer is that we obey those in authority insofar as we are obeying God. Right? And insofar as they are allowing us to obey God, enabling us to obey Him. We see this in Acts 4. When the disciples were being forced to keep quiet about Jesus, they obeyed God rather than man. They obeyed the higher authority. They obeyed the highest authority in their life. But what if we disagree with the authority over us in, 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 a, in a gray area where it's not real clear? How do we use wisdom? So th think of the authorities in your life. Whether it's the governing authorities, whether it's obeying the laws of our land, whether our president, whether your boss, your teacher, students, your parents, your coach, officials, what does it look like to use wisdom when it comes to things that are outside of our control and we might disagree with the, those who are in authority over us. What, what does this look like? And we have some clues here in, in our text in verse, verses 3 through 5. And I want to highlight three truths that we see here. First, 
Show respect for those in authority. You can disagree with the authority. Show respect for those in authority. Be not, notice what it says, be not hasty to go from his presence. In that day, people would appear before the king. The king could decide based on their interaction whether or not to keep you alive. They had the power of, to kill and punish the person. And so to not be hasty in leaving his presence would be that they don't turn their back on him. They show respect when they plead their cause. So you disagree with an authority, show respect when you plead your cause. Even if you disagree, this is wisdom, and it will go better for you. Second, do not take your stand in an evil, for an evil cause. By evil here, it, the text means a bad cause, so he's not referring to an evil or a sinful cause, as though, although I'd say sinful is an evil cause, right? So this is what is the reference is here. So we're to use wisdom when we stand against the authorities in our lives. Pick your battles. That's the idea. Pick your battles. Not all battles are the same, and not all battles are worth fighting for. So ask yourself, in your disagreements with the authority in your life, is it a cause worth fighting for? Is it a cause we might succeed in? Right, because the, author, the one in authority has the power, he, he can do what, it, what he pleases. Third, there's a proper time and a just way to take our stand. There's a time and a way for everything. There's a time to disagree and stand against those in authority. So even if you disagree, there's a time to do that. And there's also a time to refrain from standing against them. Wisdom teaches us when we should stand against authority and how to do so at the proper time and in, the right, in a righteous way. So when you challenge authority, do so in a just way. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't use violence. We see this happening in our world. Don't use violence to stand for a cause. Don't seek revenge. Remember, we don't know the future, so we need to discern the proper time and the, and the right way to relate to authority. Our obedience to, to the authorities in our lives and how we respond to them reveals, or it could reveal, our obedience and submission to God. So parents, parents, are you helping your children obey those in authority? Students, do you find yourself pushing back against the authorities in your life, thinking that your way is always best and right? And for all of us, do you find yourself constantly resisting authority? Well, this is what they say, I'm going to do my own thing. Or you might not even say that. You, maybe you don't take a stand, but in your own mind, you're always overly critical of the authorities over you. This might say something about your relationship to God. So as we seek to live in this fallen world under the authorities that have power over us, and they might use their power against us, let's use wisdom. Let's use wisdom as we strive to obey.
Let's submit to God because God always does what is right and he knows what is best for us. He knows the future. Second, my second point in your outline is this. Fear God. Fear God and trust in his righteous judgment. Even though the wicked are prospering and and are being praised, remember that in the end, it will be well with those who fear God. Okay, look, look with me now at verses 10 through 13. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. The principle that we have here is that the good guys always win in the end. Those who fear God will win in the end, and the wicked will perish. This past week, I, I saw the, the latest superhero movie, Justice League. You guys know how I like my superhero movies, and they never get old to me. So I saw, I saw Justice League, and, and here's, your, here's your spoiler alert, all right? The good guys always win in the end. All right? I'm not surprised by that. That seems to happen in every superhero movie. It never gets old for me, I don't know about you, but it never gets old for me to see a hero rescue people from the villain. Why? Well, pictures what the great hero Jesus has done in rescuing us from sin, death, and Satan. Never gets old. Even when the deck is completely stacked against them, and it seems like the wicked are prevailing, it seems like the villain is just taking over and succeeding, the good guy always wins. And if he doesn't, I haven't seen that movie yet. I'm sure it's out there. I haven't seen that movie yet or read that book. All right, you can let me know afterwards. Show me where the... Good guy loses a lot. Well, that's what's happening here. Solomon sees the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place, and they're, they're praised in the city where they committed their wickedness. So imagine the wicked person. He's, he's coming to church, and they're the ones that's, that are being praised in the city. Even though they're committing great sin and great wickedness. So you go to their funeral, and the wicked are, for some reason, we see this, they're praised for all the great things they did in their life. Even though most people actually knew what they were really like. This is vanity. This is it's puzzling. Notice verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. We see this all the time in our culture, don't we? Someone commits a violent crime, 
or gets away with cheating or gets away with stealing or, or gets away with disrespecting their boss or whatever sin it might be, might be. And then there's a delay. There's a delay by those in authority to bring about justice in the situation. And what does it do? It encourages them to do more and more evil. We see this in raising our children. If we don't deal with the sin and discipline them, it is likely that they will set their heart to do more sin. Now, this doesn't mean that we discipline them in anger because we have to deal with it quickly. Remember, they are ultimately disobeying God and not you. That's what I have to remind myself all the time. When my children disobey, they're ultimately disobeying God and not me at the end of the day. So we bring justice to the situation in a timely manner to teach them about God's coming judgment to teach them about the consequences of sin and to teach them about God's grace and forgiveness and how God forgives us of our sins when we confess them because Jesus has died to, to take our place. He took our punishment by dying for our sins. That's what we're doing when we teach our children, when we Discipline them rightly. In verse 12, the sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life. He's getting away with it. It seems like the wicked are prospering. Notice the end of verse 12 and 13. This is a message of hope and confidence in God that the good, good guys ultimately will win in the end. Yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before Him. But it will not be well with the wicked Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. So you look around, you observe the wicked things that are happening, you observe how the wicked are succeeding in life. Do you guys notice that? They're making money, their business is prospering, they're living longer. They're even being praised after they die. It's puzzling. It doesn't sound hopeful. And yet, you remember that those who fear God, things will go well in the end. Those who fear God will ultimately be rewarded eternal life while the wicked will perish in hell because they did not fear God. So here is our call to us to fear God. To believe that God is just. And even if things aren't going well for us in our world, fearing Him will result in life. It will result in everlasting life. A day of judgment is coming. Jesus declared in John 5, 28 and 29, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. It will ultimately go well for those who fear God. The wicked will be judged and the righteous will be vindicated when Jesus returns. Those who fear God will win in the end. So, what does it mean to fear God? I'm calling us to fear God. What does that mean? It means that we stand in awe of who God is. There is awe and respect for God. Like like a child who fears their father, not because he's afraid of getting punished by him, but because he loves him and wants to do what pleases his father. He doesn't want to displease him. To fear God is is not to treat him and his commands in a light, casual way. It's no big deal if I sin. It's no big deal. There's forgiveness found on the cross. So for us to fear God, what would it look like in our life? It would mean that we are submitting to him, we depend upon him, we trust in him, we worship him, we adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. We are adoring the one who reigns forever. We are acknowledging in our hearts that he is the king. He is the king. And now we are acknowledging that in our own life, that he is on the throne of our hearts. And he rightly deserves that place in our life. And if you do that, if you fear God, if you trust in Jesus Christ, and you place all your hope in him, it will go well for you in the end. And you will be rewarded eternal life. And that is my plea to everyone here, to place your faith in Jesus Christ, and you will receive eternal life. And I want to continue to challenge us and encourage us to consider, am I living in the fear of the Lord? Is my relationship with God casual? And I don't even think about what pleases him. Have I taken God off the throne of my life? Is he even on the throne of my life? God will bring every deed into judgment. This is how the book ends in Ecclesiastes. With every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now third and finally, enjoy life. Enjoy life. We'll we'll unpack this more in the weeks to come and especially next week. But I want to highlight it for you this morning. We are in to enjoy life when life doesn't make sense. Even though life is puzzling at times and we can't find out and discover what's happening in our world or what God is doing in our world, maybe things are, we can't figure out what's going on with our family, maybe we can't figure out what's going on in our workplace or our future, do your best to find enjoyment in the small, ordinary things in life. Look with me at verses 14 through 17. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. 
For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on, on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. There are things in our fallen world that don't make sense. Solomon observes a puzzling reality in verse 14. And it's that the righteous people are getting what the wicked deserve, and the wicked people are getting what the righteous deserve. It doesn't make sense. Why are the righteous suffering? Why are the wicked prospering? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. And I can't figure it out. So what does Solomon encourage us to do? Verse 15, And I commend joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. We've seen this theme throughout Ecclesiastes. We are to find enjoyment in what God has given us. We are to enjoy life as best as we can. And we understand there are certain seasons in life, right? There's a day of prosperity and there is a day of adversity. We recognize that. Yet at the same time, even in our difficult times in which we're experiencing suffering and sorrow, we can have joy. We can enjoy life and be content. I'm not saying it's easy. But taking one day at a time and having an eternal perspective in life will enable us to do so. When life doesn't make sense, enjoy it. Enjoy the small, ordinary things in life. There's nothing better but to eat and drink and be joyful. Find enjoyment in the little things in life. Rather than being consumed with how things might go for us in the future, right? We can be overly concerned about the future, what tomorrow might bring. Enjoy the good gifts that God has given you today. Take time to enjoy life. Enjoy, enjoy playing games with family or friends, right? I enjoy playing games, even late night games. A little sleepy this morning. Enjoy playing games. Enjoy a walk with someone. Just go on a walk. Go outside and look at God's creation. Like just take time to reflect upon it. It is amazing. I love living out here in the country. I just walk over from, from church to my house, look up at the night sky. Wow, thank you, Lord. I get to see this. Maybe you get up early in the morning, you're reading your Bible, and you see the sunrise. Remarkable, isn't it? It's a small taste of God's beauty that we see. Enjoy coffee and donuts at Bunkers Dunkers with a friend or a brother or sister in Christ. Right? Small thing. Take time to enjoy that turkey or that pumpkin pie this week, 
if you have that or whatever you like, enjoy it. Give thanks to God for that. We have much to be thankful for. And I hope that we will remember how richly we have been blessed in Christ. That we would consider the kindness of our God and what he has provided for you. We're going to sing this as we close. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. So as we go this week, take time to enjoy the small, ordinary things in your life that God has supplied you with. And as we live in our fallen world where things are difficult, where things don't make sense, and where things are outside of our control, let's strive to obey those in authority. Let's fear God, and let's enjoy life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do have much to be thankful for. Even though we recognize things don't make sense in our world, things are outside of our control. We want to enjoy the moment that you have given us. We want to enjoy your good gifts. Each morning that we wake up, we can sing your praises. Great is thy faithfulness. We see new mercies every single morning. And might we not take that for granted? Might we not take eating food or drink for granted? That is a blessing from you that there are so many people in our world that don't get to experience. Even this week, as we get ready for Thanksgiving, might we enjoy our time with our family or our friends. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.